Welcome to By the Sword, where we discuss the modern study of historical European martial arts, or HEMA, with instructors, experts and martial artists from all over the world. Serrano, um, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, for the folks who don't know, I, I listed out uh, all the sort of you got. A, you're a gentleman with a lot of hats. So I've got here yeah. set decorator, production designer, artist, artisan, craftsman, armorer, hiltsmith, prop maker, to name but a few. Uh, is that accurate? Yeah, it sounds really good on paper. But, yeah, it sounds great on paper. Yeah. <laughs> you make lots of pretty things, so that's that's what we're going to talk about. And you've worked here on lots of films, uh, including uh, G.I. Joe, Rise, Rise of Cobra, uh, The Core, uh, Planet of the Apes, mm -hmm. and uh, Chronicles of Riddick, name a few that you've worked on. Yeah. And before we go any further, I just want to say thank you to our mutual friend, Graham Mayer, who... Uh, yeah. said to me you have to you have to invite you on the pro on the podcast he's I was like yeah of course I just never like thought he would want to do this but it's lovely to have you here um and thanks to Graham for a suggesting it b uh reaching out to you uh to invite you and I'm very happy that you said yes and c uh, helping me come up with the, the questions mm -hmm. um so to start off with I want to ask what is your background how did you get into all this stuff making armors reliquaries and things it uh it started off i mean as a child i, I was brought up in an artistic family and mm. um when i was little i uh lived in south america for a bit because my parents are from south america from ecuador and i was just surrounded there's a part of the town that's um medieval it's just from the you know conquista 1535 or something like that. So I was just surrounded by all the Baroque art and all that kind of stuff as a child. And my parents tell me that as far back as I can remember, I was just making stuff or getting in trouble. And, you know, I was like a hyper hyperactive child, but very pleasant. That's what my mom says. So I was just making stuff, you know, they'd be like, it's quiet. What's he doing? What's he taking <laughs> apart? You know? Um, and I remember the first work of art I remember, cause I had to write a paper on it in, in university. Um, was was what's the first work of art I remember? And that was the Pietà, you know, the um, yeah. Michelangelo. Because my aunt had this little tiny paperweight on her desk, right? And she had these books that had the Sistine Chapel. And Michelangelo was the first work of art that I saw, <clears throat> artist that I saw. <clears throat> so fast forward through the years, um, <clears throat> my mother, uh, I, I, grew, I was brought up in the fashion industry. So I was around sewing machines and all that. So that was kind of like a natural thing. And then, so of course, costumes. I started making costumes and I was the weird kid who, you know, always dressed up for Halloween. You know, I was in military academy in South America again. And any chance I had to dress up, you know, in, in the, um, what is it called? The, uh, my brain wants to switch to Spanish. Uh, you know, the fancy, the fancy dress for, for yeah. military, military wear. I would do it. I just loved, you know, being dressed up and then kept going. And then, you know, sculpting since I was a kid, you know, so everything, all the, all the disciplines of art, I, I just grew up with. It was just part of what I did. And then when I was about 21, I always sword fought and stuff, you know, played around with swords, but I didn't have, I didn't have any idea about, you know, effect schools and all that kind of stuff. And then when I was 21, I met up with, you know, that medieval group uh, and started fighting with them, started playing. Well, I would borrow suits of armor, which were horrible. They were basically pieces of metal that were bent, you know, oh, with God. straps. And um, I got frustrated one day and I was like, let's see what happens. So my very first suit of armor, I built, you're not going to believe this, on a mattress with... I think I've seen the pictures. I think you posted with, those. Yeah. I think I have pictures of my first suit. Oh, it's first horrible. It was kind of like a suit of armor. Yeah. Your most recent suit of armor. Yeah, it was uh, my, my Kurgan-esque suit of armor, you know, musculata type thing that I made with the wrong kind of, I made with a forging hammer on a mattress on top of a moving blanket. And I'm just like bouncing on the bed. I had no idea what I was doing. 
And then that just started it, you know. Uh, I built my first suit of armor so it wouldn't cut me open because I would get cuts here and, you know, between the legs, from the legs, you know, not, not working. The helmet, <laughs> the helmet that they had that was a loner helmet was, we, we nicknamed it Reservoir Tip because it was a conical that was really high, but it had been hit so much that it just bent over and it looked like, like a condom. So that was called Reservoir Tip. The, the armor was called Penance because uh, everybody that wore this, because it was a loner suit, everybody that would wear the suit of armor would get cut, you know, because it was, it was horrible. It was yeah. 1991, no, 1991, yeah. And so I built my first suit in 1991. And then um, went to college or university, uh, got my degree in fashion. Then 1998, came back to California and I started working with movie people just for fun. And then I got hired on <clears throat> to work on this show called Witchblade. So that was my first design job. And then Witchblade, I got to do the series. I got to build the armor for Witchblade which was very annoying because I know I built suits of armor, but what I wanted to do was create Witchblade as the comic book. Mm. You know, so sexy lingerie made from an alien creature. They wanted a suit of armor. And I was like, <clears throat> it's like you're making Superman, but he's not Superman. He's green and gets muscular. So he's the Hulk, who is a Superman, but it's not Superman. So there was a lot of fighting there. Yeah. Then I got hired on uh, to do the horse armor for Planet of the Apes at this company. And after that, all of a sudden, I'm there. I'm just working in LA, you know? And so that's basically the, I hope, I hope it made sense. You know, it's basically yeah. the, the background of how it all started. It's really interesting to hear like the, I guess the very Catholic influences in your early childhood, the- the was gonna the be a priest. I, yeah, really? I, I, almost went, I almost went into seminary, yeah, yeah. I wanted to be a nun oh, yeah. when I was a little kid. Well, the thing is, I, I always went to seminary because I was like, I like dressing in black. Mm -hmm. I love the trappings. I love the incense, which I burn in my room all the time. The <clears throat> I, I love the art. And then all of a sudden I realized, I don't want to be a priest because I love women. And, <laughs> and I would have been one of those really bad priests. My great grandfather was a priest. Oh. And here I am. <laughs> yes. He begat with his secretary, oh. who was this uh, oh. native, Andean native, uh, he was Italian, and uh, she was this little native secretary, I guess they had, and hello, here I am. Um, yeah, so, but then I realized I didn't want to be a priest, I wanted to be an artist, and that's what it was about. There's, yeah. there's a lot of uh, creativity in your blood, uh, in mm. your family. Yeah, you musicians. Sur you're surrounded by art and architecture and fashion. Yeah. Wow, so you uh, you you got into the film industry pretty young. Um, yeah, 2021. Yeah. And do you like uh, so? What did you when you were doing the 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 armored fighting? Was it the fighting that drew you in, or was it just wearing the cool stuff, or was it both? A little bit of both. Um, I always used to joke around that that um, fighting, sword fighting, was my lover because I loved it more than than my first wife, and <laughs> <laughs> and. It's, it was really good for me because, you know, I was, I was young, very, I guess, hyper, um, very inquisitive, you know, and, and I had a lot of energy. I, I think nowadays they call it ADHD or ADD, one of those two. Yeah. And building suits of armor, sword fighting. I mean, I fought three times a week. I'd go out dancing one night a week. Um, I'd have my full-time job and I'd build armor. I, I lived off four hours of sleep and I was great. You know, it was great. But <laughs> yeah, um, the sword fighting really was one of those things that um, got me into the armoring because again, penance, um, the, the armor, uh, the, the the angry armor that would cut us open got me into armor. And then- Or it got into just, you even, yeah. the armor got into you. Yeah. Well, now with the metal jaw I have, Ooh. yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting that you say like, you know, possibly undiagnosed, ADD or ADHD, but I've I found that swords in general seems to attract uh, folks who either in childhood or later on in adulthood end up being diagnosed with uh, ADHD or ADD or autism or something on well, the such sort of focusing, spectrum. Yeah, such a focusing thing. I mean, yeah. my first wife um, would would always she could tell when I hadn't fought for a while. 
because I'd start just fidgeting and I'd be like, and I and I'd get grumpy and, and all she's, she's like, get in the car, get your armor and, and go beat the crap out of people. You know, we did full content, you know. I need dopamine. <laughs> yeah, and we just fight and, and all of a sudden, yeah, it was a thing. And that's something that I've been thinking about getting back into because COVID and all this stuff, I just stopped fighting. I stopped, I just lost love for it, mm -hmm. you know, and now starting to play with my friends that were making swords and the, the Skevona project, I'm starting to get that. I need to, you know, I need to, to do a little bit of a swishy poke and the, all that, you know. Sadly, over here, there aren't any real um, uh, fight schools. You know, there's one up in Vancouver, Canada. And here, where I am in Washington and Oregon, there's nothing. You know, there's just... I'm, I'm sure we can put you in touch with people. I'm sure there's someone... Well, the, the thing is, I want to move to Europe. You know, that's the plan. Is ah. I want to move there because all the cool stuff is there. Sidetracking. <laughs> Sidetracking, wasn't that your plan? You were you were going to move to Switzerland at one point and then you fell in love. Yeah. Yeah, yeah life was great. <laughs> well, I had plans and I was literally at a, a um, every once in a while I like to smoke cigars. It's disgusting. And by the time I finish a cigar, I'm like, oh God, this is gross. And I don't do it for another six months or a year. Yeah. So I went out with a friend and our plan was, because I was single and, you know, gotten over this really dark time and i was like you know i want to live i want to you know the plan was to go to europe and stay as long as i can you know with the visas and stuff and just travel around and teach repose um you know chasing and repose stuff you know and just spend like you know three months at a time and, and you know then go to switzerland and come back and do as much as we can with that and that was the plan and then i was talking with a friend of mine all right, we're going to do it. And we're smoking cigars. Yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And then we get together the next day to talk about how we're going to do it. And then we're going to get together to talk about finances. So the next day we get together smoking another nasty cigar and having American burgers and stuff. <coughs> and we're kind of like, all right, cool. Hey, we should call some friends and see if they want to meet up for dinner. So I call and I go, oh, there's this one girl. She's an artist that we've been meaning to meet. But the last time I, I ended up getting Bell's palsy something happened and my face just went Bleh. and I was like <laughs> for like th three months my face was like this and I'm like how about we reschedule so that we could meet when I'm not deformed and you know talking kind of like this you know and uh, so I go let's call her let's let's see if she shows up so I call her and I'm thinking she's a little bit younger than me I don't know if you've noticed I'm 53 well at the time I was 49 and she was 27 Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this girl's beautiful. She's talented. She's she's really amazing. But I think she just sees me as a mentor. I think she, I think it's just one of those artists. Thing. I don't want to be the creepy old guy, being like, "Hello, young lady," you know. No. And she, she shows up, and my friend says that we both just went <laughs> and just locked. And uh, for the next three hours, my friend's sitting there on his phone while while her and I are just like blah 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 blah, you know, talking. So afterwards, he's like, so there was a connection. I'm like, no, dude, there's no way. She's, she could be my daughter. There's no way. Because my mom is 21 years older than me. So in my head, you know, I'm thinking that. Yeah. And um, he's like, but she's not your daughter. And I'm like, dude, I don't know. I don't know. And she just keeps calling me and we just keep talking. So we, I finally go, do you realize, you know, I, the facts, right? And she's like, yeah. yeah. And it's relevant because my dad is, her parents had her late in life. Yeah. So she's actually really mature for her age. Yeah. And we ended up just really, you know, making it work. And all of a sudden we stopped talking about Europe. You know, her and I are talking about Europe now. But back then, and then COVID and all that. So four years later, we're married. Everything's beautiful. And we're just like, how do we get out of here? We need to go to Europe. <laughs> you know? we do. I, I just <clears throat> want to add, Iris, your wife, is absolutely stunning. Oh. Um, she. She's gorgeous, and she's a very, very talented uh, seamstress as well. She makes some beautiful... Uh, it blows clothing. me away. Yeah. I, I have the degree in fashion, and I can't do what she does. I'm a draper, all right? It's kind of like sculpting and fabric, and then you make the patterns and all that. She will take your measurements, and she'll do this thing. And she doesn't... Oh, it drives me nuts. She's math-wise. She's amazing. <laughs> I, I'm horrible at math, you know, and a lot of what she does is math, uh, and she can put pleats and and oh i just need to lower this me i get the piece i'd make a, a sample and i adjust it in 3d then i'd lay it out and i make the pattern she'll just be like oh i'm just gonna move that seam over here and i'm like well you know you have to and she's like yeah i got it and all of a sudden she just pops out with this thing and i'm just sitting there going 
wow, you know, it's amazing. And um, it's, it's, it's just really, really, really cute. You know, our, our friends uh, actually, did you see the wedding cake topper? I may have done, remind me. It's really funny. Okay, so our joke is, because she's taller than me. I'm 5'11", 5'10", oh, and she's six foot tall, right? And she's just like, this nymph creature. And I mean, I'm this friggin' round little pudgy guy, you know, satyr. So we made a joke. Okay. It's right here. Oh, they made a nymph and a satyr topper. This one? Oh. <laughs> but it, it's got a trick, and it's, it's very it's naughty. It's very not. It's a. It's a, actually. It moves. So. <laughs> so it does. It does Instagram not. Instagram instantly um, decided to censor that. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I didn't think it came through. But it didn't. But I, I think I have seen it. Yeah. That was on the wedding cake topper. So another friend of mine who worked on Pinocchio, um, it just won an Oscar and all that. Yeah. She sculpted that for us. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I'm surrounded by art. You know, it's surrounded by all this stuff. Surrounded by very talented people I'm married to as well. Um, so talking of being surrounded by talented people, who are your biggest influences, not just in terms of <coughs> your peers and uh, artists, but, you know, historically looking back in, through time? Because I know... Um, that we mentioned, like the Venetian armor, Negroli uh, influences a oh, lot of your work. No, they were they were Milanese. Sorry, they're, they're from Milan. Sorry, Milanese. Sorry, yeah, yeah. I'm wrong about Venetian. Sorry, yeah, it's Italy. Um, it's close by. It's about two hours. Um, yeah, Negroli, the Negroli family. Um, that was always my go-to. Like I, uh, and that's something I didn't mention. It's, I was a sculptor mm. before I was a metal. So I wanted to sculpt, and the thing is that growing up, I didn't have an opportunity to be around mold makers and all that stuff. So metal became this instant thing. You beat it, you see if it fits, you stretch it, you do whatever, and, and it fits. With sculpture, you have to sculpt it. You have to make a mold. You have to make a, make, make a master, see if it fits. You know, if, you, if you're doing it right, it, it will. But, and then you have to like adjust it and do all this stuff. With metal, it's instant gratification, if you have the patience for that. So yeah, the Negrolis were definitely a huge, before I even knew what armor was, to me, they were sculptures. Mm. You know, in fact, on Chronicles of Riddick, um, I was able to influence the design of Lord Marshall. I didn't sculpt him um, because they had this breastplate that was all full of faces. It looked like Friday the 13th, or, or sorry, Freddy. And this is one yeah. story, lifted Freddy's got all the faces. It looked like that, it was horrible. And um, I go, look, these are like the, the Lords of the Underverse. These are like the, SS of space, you know, they should look scary as hell. So I pulled out the Negroli book and I showed it to them. I'm like, you could have this. And they're like, there's no way. And I, and I can make it. And they're like, there's no way. This was sculpted and cast. I'm like, no, it wasn't. And they wouldn't believe me. You know, that they, they don't know history. They don't know that craft. So I had to like sit there and explain to them and they, they never believed it. Hmm. So then I made my breastplate which has the wings and the face and, and all that stuff. And it was basically Negroli. That's how he, you know, was able to sneak Negroli into, into Chronicles of Riddick. Um, so then as far as my armor is that, and of course, you know, the usual, you know, Susan Hoffer and all those guys, you know, they're just awesome. Um, but yeah, as far as armor goes and what influenced me most was the ability to be able to do naturalistic shapes in metal, you know, um, as far as art, of course, the, the masters, you know, I, I was brought up with that. Um, there was a guy in Ecuador called uh, Legarda. He was a, an incredible uh, wood carver, and he did most of the wood carving in all the, the Baroque churches in Ecuador. And he had a, a school called Escuela de Legarda. Um, so it's a thing that if you knew, if you knew the area, you, you, you'd know who they were. Mm -hmm. um, and then artists, you know, ugh, they're all over the place, you know. Um, um, Mignola, he's the guy that created uh, Hellboy. He does a very yeah. wood, wood cutty kind of negative space kind of art. You know, um, Waterhouse, which is funny because my wife looks like a Waterhouse girl. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's one of the first things. <laughs> we we always were like, wow, you know, I love Waterhouse, the pre Raphaelites. Um, yeah, you know, um, honestly, just the typical normal artists 
you know, now I, but, and also the sculptors, of course, Bergnini. Um, oh gosh, see, now, now you put me on the spot and I'm forgetting. But yeah. there's so many disciplines that, 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 I, that I pick at and I, and I cross them. It's almost like, um, like if you learn a sword technique, that's one guy and then you have another and, and you just kind of make a mix and match. Yeah. You know, so I was able to now make, um, based off the Negroli pieces, I was able to do a helmet for a client and he gave me all these notes. You know, he wanted his wife, he wanted, you know, he, he, he loves dragons and all this stuff. So I made this, my friends call it the Ugroli, right? Um, <laughs> and, and the thing is, I, I did the first design and he's like, yeah, I don't know, my wife uh, isn't sure about it. And I'm like, well, it was a very expensive helmet. And I'm like, well, I understand it's not for everybody. And I'm a boutique creator, so it's, it's a lot of money. He's like, oh, no, it's not about the money. It's, it doesn't have boobs. And I'm like, what? It's like, my wife wants boobs. So I made the helmet. <laughs> And put boobs on my helmet. Yeah. So oh, did, that one. Yeah. Yeah. This one. And this is a plastic copy of it, or a resin copy. Yeah. So, so, so it's got the the wyverns, and I haven't painted it yet, obviously. Uh, and then, and this is the thing: is I was able to to match in steel mm. the weight of fabric, the flow, the the weight of flesh. You know, I even got. The, the little moms, I, I got the little tummy, you know. Yeah. And, and, and I've had so many, and the thing is that the client was a, a surgeon, he's a doctor. Ah. So I was agonizing over getting all the muscles. Anatomically correct. Yeah, and it was just, it's beautiful. I, I mean, it's like, my, I have a copy of it, you know, it's, that's how much I love it. Yeah. That yeah, so that's, let go. yeah, the influences are all kind of like applied knowledge that then I bring into metalwork. But again, like I said, I was a sculptor before I was a metal worker. A lot of people see me and they think metal worker. But mm. I actually enjoy making clothes more. Really? Yeah, I actually, and I can make shoes, but I, I, I only make my shoes, you know, because I only have lasts for my, my foot. <laughs> Your um, own foot. Yeah, so it's, it's one of these things where it's applied knowledge, you know, the, the metal work, you know, I get to sculpt this kind of stuff, you know, and, and then I have that laser cut. Oh, fantastic. And then I do the I do the leather work on this, you know, the casting for that. You know, and it's like to me it's like doesn't everybody know how to do this? You know, as far as art art artists go. And it's kind of shocking, you know, to, to go, oh to me this is just this is yesterday. This was a Saturday. You know, Gabbard, <laughs> you know. That's but incredible. Yeah. So there it is, you know. So, I told you I I go. You you gotta bring me back because I, I keep going. No, that's okay. You've led me perfectly onto my next question. Like, you know, you said, oh, this is just a Saturday. You know, oh, I just I just made this thing. Doesn't everyone know how to do it? But, and then the guy, uh, the surgeon asked you to put boobs on his, his helmet for him and his wife. What is the most daunting or difficult piece that you've ever worked on? Uh, difficult piece. Um, I, I worked on a spaceship that... Oh. Um, was soulless and just so mathematical and I used trigonometry for the only time in my life and it was only daunting because of the people I was working with and also yeah okay the math and stuff like that but um, knowing that you can go to the computer and push the button and just get the answer but the guy that we were making he wanted us to figure it was a nightmare um, that was probably the hardest thing but not as far as skill that was just the hardest thing as far as technical knowledge yeah. and use of yeah. materials because uh, I do stuff laser cut but I have a friend who helps me out with that kind of stuff I have people right because I know what my abilities are but I also know what I you know what I can't do yeah and for the things that I can't do I have people for that you know and I'm very lucky and blessed that I have a, a pool of people in LA here you know wherever that I can call upon to get projects done um, the hardest thing it's more like getting to be able to work as opposed to doing the work. Um, if I have a, a shot, I mean, I can pretty much almost do anything except for computers or mechanical stuff, mm -hmm. right? I, with a computer, I'm like horrible. So I have people for that. Uh, the hardest piece, I mean, I have to say would be the, the, the suit of armor, but it was joyful. It, it was beautiful. So it's hard to say, because mm. I think hard means misery, Yeah. right? It wasn't miserable. You know, I was just really focused and, and just a lot of work, probably 
taxing on the body because I'm holding chisels that I'm like squeezing and hammering. You know, I end up mm. with a, well, I don't know if you can, no, you can't see it. I end up with a big muscle here, which, yeah, eh, there it is. <laughs> that oh, muscle, gosh. Right, <laughs> right? Which I don't have on this side. Yeah. <laughs> and that's gosh. my, you know, I, I, I call it, yeah, I'm not gonna say, I'll say, uh, I call it the titty twister because it's like, <laughs> But I can throw a, a a killing shot, you know. Normally, people, you know, I can do it from here. I can go, you know, yeah. and and do like the Bruce Lee one inch punch kind of thing. Um, so the thing with with the hammers, because I'm I'm always using the hammers, and and the, you know, I don't use my whole arm. I kind of just use the blow of the hammer. Um, mm -hmm. So physically, it's probably more the difficulty as opposed to a project being difficult. You know, if the mm -hmm. clients can be difficult. Um, the deadlines can be difficult, but to me, the, the, the work itself, once I get the time and, you know, provided the time and all that, see, it's all the things around making the project, you know, the project, yeah. I mean, it's always an inquis an exercise in being inquisitive and figuring out how to do it. Uh, th there's a joy to it. Even the, the hard be, things like the acting. Being in what they call uh, the flow state, <laughs> being yeah. in it and doing it is like the joyful part. Yeah. And, and sometimes when I work, um, it's funny because I've gotten very like, you know, I don't know how to call it, but very like woo with, with my friends. I'm like, do you ever feel like you're just watching rather than doing? You know, you get to a point sometimes even in fighting, uh, back when I was fighting all the time, everything was in slow motion. Yeah. And I, I was just like, uh, because you get so in the zone that everything's in slow motion and you're moving out of the way of things that should have just cut you. You're, you're, you're going into them and they're going over your head, you know, mm -hmm. same thing with work. I'll be working and um, all of a sudden at the end of the day and I'm sitting there looking at this body and the worst part is when you have to do it again because mm. I don't remember how I did it. Yeah, <laughs> having I, to yes. explain it to how, to someone, how did you do that? So there, there it is. It. That's the hardest part. The hardest part, the most daunting part is matching something because mm. the first one I just did it. I just made it. Now I have to like take measurements and triangulate every point of the face or whatever I'm doing, like with this dragon, mm. uh, you know, like with this dragon, you know, I have center lines, even when I sculpt, I always have center lines. And then with, and I mark certain points along the center line. And then from there, from this point, I'll go to here, from this point, I'll go to here, and I'll mark. And you triangulate every little piece, every detail. That's the most daunting part is having to reproduce something accurately. Yes, especially because I don't remember doing it the first time. <laughs> I've gotten How into did the, I do this? Yeah, so I've gotten into the habit of when I'm working on X piece, I'll get the tools out or the chisels that I use and I put the rest away. Because at least that cuts out one process of what the hell am I doing by having these tools. I'm going, Oh, I use this tool. And I and I'll go back to the piece and think, Oh, I used it here and I'll be able to do it. Yeah. Perfect. That's a great answer. Um, we are half past the hour. Oh dear. So those of you who are watching at home, there's eight of you right now. If you have any questions for Ugo, please uh, just hit the button at the bottom of your phone screen. It looks like a speech bubble with a question mark inside it. Just tap that button, add your questions, and we will read them out. Um, you can obviously add them in the comments, but if you put your question in there, we're more likely to see it and to read it out. Um, so. I know you love a lot of the stuff you make, um, but what piece do you love the most? What's the hardest to let go? Or did you indeed let it go? I let them all, all go and I get very sad. Um, <laughs> the, like, okay, so you saw I have this plastic one or, or, or resin one uh, helmet. Okay. I've, because of the contacts I have and stuff like that, I have my favorite pieces molded mm -hmm. so I can have a copy of it. Yeah. Cool. Sorry, somebody's texting me okay. text me <clears throat> um yeah i i, I you know I, I get things molded uh, copied I, I make molds of them the the one that really sucked to to let go was this human hand i articulated with uh, garnets i've done one with emeralds and i've done with garnets the emerald oh. one was beautiful but the first one i made was this hand that was as big as and i have some pretty big hands it was as big as mine it was this huge hand and I articulated it and I did, you know, 
you've probably seen it, all the bones have silver on them. And then I put it together and I have garnets and, and it's this gorgeous hand. That one sucked. I, I really wanted to keep that one. You know, eventually I wanted the, to- the, the folks at home, you may wonder why we're talking about human hands. We're talking about reproduction <laughs> uh, reliquaries. So like uh, in a lot of Catholic churches, you will have like the hand of a saint that's been yeah. preserved and decorated with jewels and precious yeah. metals. And you've been asked on many occasions to cre recreate these items out, yeah. out of actual human bones. Yeah, the thing is, is that, um, you know, a lot of people think it's very macabre, but you know, there's a whole history to it, right? And mm. I kind of fell into it. You know, I started making jewelry Oh, about five years ago, just on a lark. And all of a sudden I do jewelry. And I found a couple of human finger bones in a store that they had. I was like, what? And over here, they're legal. You could sell them. You, you could buy them. They're, they're retired medical specimens. So they're ethically sourced. Yeah, ethically. Free, free range, ethically sourced, you know, uh, non-vegan, sorry. But so I got a couple of those bones and I made this jewelry. And I was still figuring it out. And all of a sudden I put them up and people just went nuts. They, it just went, for a while, that's all I did. Mm. You know, I had projects yeah. to get to, but I, I, I made so much money off the dead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I treat them all with respect. You know, the bones, I, I don't like cutting into skulls. Uh, a skull cap, I'll do. But as far as the bones going, you know, there's a thing, you know, it's like you work with animal bones, you, you work with anything else, their parts, their bones are calcium. Mm. Human bones, mm. I respect them, I, I, I talk to them, you know. <laughs> I, I, there was one bone we call Ladyfinger. I kept it. Um, it was fighting me. My hands were cold. I, my fingers hurt. It was cold. Really? I couldn't. I couldn't do it. It was fighting me. And all of a sudden, I just look at it and I'm talking. I'm like, I'm trying to make you beautiful. And I swear, it just went. And I was like, it's done. And I'm like, no, you're staying with me. I'm going to take care of you. And that's the thing. Wow. It's like I'm. I'm a skeptical believer. You know. Um, very science. I'm very. You know pragmatic with that but at the same time there's things that happen and i felt a couple of energies from a few of them mm. you know i've only had one one client write me said i had to bury it like what happened my car started doing this this started happening that started happening all these horrible things started happening he got sick all these things and he's like i took it out to the woods and it told me where to bury it and things cleared up and i was like what you know to that me that monkey claw story yeah, yeah i've made one of those too um, so it, it's one of those things that just started as a, a as a fun thing, and all of a sudden, every once in a while, you know, I don't do it as much anymore, you know. But if a client wants, I'll do an articulation, you know, using silver, using gems, stuff like that, you know. But I do love it. You know, it does it does tie me back to 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 my beginnings because in Quito, the capital, there's a chapel that has got Charles V sent. He was friends with the, 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 the head priest at this church or the mon you know, monastery. And he sent him relics, all kinds of relics of saints and, and stuff. So there's this huge well with over 200 or something like that. I'll have to look, but over 200 relics in this chapel. So I've, wow. I grew up around that too. Yeah. Have you ever Talk been to any of those ossuaries? Like, you know, with the monks, uh, I know some churches, in, yeah. uh, I think it was Republic places like that may like the internal decoration of the building is just made up of uh, oh yeah that's the monk and uh, yeah that's over there somewhere um yeah no there's nothing like that there in Ecuador mm -hmm. um I know there's some places in Peru but a lot of you know like uh native type of ossuary kind of stuff mm -hmm. um Quito doesn't have anything like that but yeah I just love all that all those trappings and and Honestly, it's kind of cool, you know, to be able to work in human bone. And, uh, you know, I've carved a few of them, you know, stuff like that. But it's weird, right? Because I go from metal to leather to bone, you know, all these things. Yeah. At one point, um, I, I even uh, refurbished some uh, elephant tusks, um, which, which have a whole history to them, right? They're like a whole history. Yeah. That's a long story. But I, I was able to get them, and, and the guys explaining to me, I'm like, okay, so they're cool, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, so I fixed those. And then I had some polar bear claws that I had to turn into something else. And then a friend of mine sent me a piece of Notre Dame, a piece of the wood, so I have that. And at one point, I'm just sitting there going, I got human bones, bear, elephant, 
Notre Dame. I'm, I'm like some kind of weird underworld guy that, you know, I'm back in my car. In fact, I was driving them somewhere and I was like, look, I'll just pull over like, hey, you want some tusks? You want bone? You want this? <laughs> you know, it's like, what are the odds, right? That all these things just fall into my hands. That's incredible. Um, as an artist, when do you decide when something is done? Uh, um, and do you see do you see the faults, or are you a proud parent? I see the flaws, and when it comes to armor, when it comes to weapons like uh, the Skeronas, um, there's a certain flaw when it's done right, because it's amateur flaws. Mm. Somebody doesn't know any better. But then there's certain like if you look at a real suit, you see certain flaws that even then their flaws are beautiful. So you have to kind of let it go because it was not made during the time of industrial revolution and standardizing and all that kind of stuff. So you have file marks. In fact, something when something is too clean, it just takes a soul out of it. So I'll leave things plunged and or I'll, I'll polish part, but I'll leave hammer marks on another part. And if it's too clean, I'll just grab a file and, <laughs> you know, I'll put a couple of scratches <laughs> Dress it. and then clean yeah. it, you know. Um, a lot of my pieces, I had a friend one time literally see me finish the piece. And he goes, let me see it. And he goes, dude, I literally saw you finish it and it feels 500 years old. How'd you do it? And I'm like, well, that's it. You have to give it a little soul. Mm -hmm. So that took a long time, you know, because being able to go see the real things. I mean, I, I went to see Toby, uh, Toby Capwell, when he was at the Wallace uh, with Fred Rail. He took me in there and, and Toby pulled out a couple of pieces, put on the gloves, and I got to see, you know, some of the real things. And man, they're all wonky and they're all crazy, but there's a beauty to it. So on that level, I do allow some stink around the edges is what I call it. You know, you put a little stink around the edges. Um, when it comes to paintings or anything like that, I, I do tend to be a little bit more, you know, wringing my hands and like, you know, but it's getting to the point where like they say, a master teacup maker, ha you know, becomes a teacup maker because he's made hundreds before he even got good. So when you get, oh, or, or perfect, that, that quote about um, Picasso, where he's like, learn the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist, you know. So I love doing that. I will learn something to the point where it just becomes bland, and then I just put my brush strokes on it, you know. Mm -hmm. So once you understand you know, the vibe you're going for. You know, if I'm doing something that has to be space safe, yeah, it's gotta be, you know, perfect. I had somebody once, uh, I made a gun. I made a, a gun. Somebody brought me a Firefly, you know, Mal's gun from Firefly. Right. And he goes, don't make this gun, but make a gun from this world, right? So I right. took some order parts from a gun and all this stuff. And, you know, my, my boss at times is like, there's no way you can do that. You're not a machinist. You know, you, this should be done on, and I'm like, hide and watch you know and i did it to the point where he's looking he's like how'd you do it I'm like you just that's when you got to bring out the technical computer brain the only parts on this gun that were off were the parts i used the mill on because the mill had chatter <sighs> then i come back in and do it by hand <laughs> <laughs> that's how they did it um and in that case yeah it's got to be perfect you got to get all the lines and you know you put it down you walk away from it you forget it you let let it think about it. Then you come back and work on it, and which I do with all my projects. But um, that that's kind of like the, there's a proud parent kind of thing. Um, and there's a lot of forgiveness of that with the context of understanding the art form. You know, mm. so yeah. Like there has putting, to be a little bit of- Humanity, the human influence. Exactly, the yeah. Especially now with the whole, um, you know, 3D printing and all that stuff where things are so sterilely symmetrical and all that stuff. Uh, like my, my Kurgan helmet, <laughs> um, when when I first got it, it drove me crazy. I was able to find a Kurgan helmet, which is one of the holy grails of prop collecting for the Highlander fans. And mm. uh, I got it and I would just go nuts. And I'm just like, you know, my, my wife was making fun of me because it sits next to my bed. And I wake up and it's the first thing I see. It's either her or the curtain. And it drove me nuts at first because it is like perfect on one side. And this side is, but you don't, you can't tell. It's kind of like me right now with my jaw. You know, remember I told you I have the metal implant. Look at that. 
Can you see that? Yeah, I think That's... it's more perceptible to you. I can yeah, we'll see the second see point. When you're pointing it out, yeah. Right there. Yeah, yeah. That's, I've got a five millimeter uh, bar in here. So you can't tell, I'm just talking. But once you start mm -hmm. looking at it, and you get intimate with it, you start going, ah! you know, we all have one eye above, you know, all kinds of stuff. So there is a beautiful asymmetry in everything that exists. So um, anyways, see, I'm going again. Um, so oh, that's great. Yeah, so, so, so the helmet, it's like I had to get used to it. I, I want to have it scanned and I want to make it symmetrical like they do with Darth Vader because Darth Vader sculpt uh, for the helmet was the same thing. It was all wonky. Okay. Yeah. And then for the new movies, they, they did this whole thing where they, you know, and they got too perfect. They had to mess it up just a little bit because it was so sterile. So total symmetry just takes a soul out of something. Yeah. You have to have some stink. You have to have a little bit and you have to understand how far to take it. And that was a, the other part of your question. Like, how far, how do I know? I just feel it. You know, it, it it's feels a bit old. like with the, the AI art. Yeah. Um, you know, it just takes the soul out of yeah. the stuff that it's trying to mimic. It removes the humanity. Well, from, the un uncanny the valley thing, too. Yeah. 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 It's, it's not nice. Yeah. Um, and then, like, with, with the Skevonas, this is one that I've. This is one that I've been going nuts over because I still don't have one. I don't have one of my own. You don't. Because it's not perfect yet. But see, I, I, I try to make it look all like it's uh, forge welded. Yeah. You know, that's forge welding. It's I just put them together, welded them, then I welded them in the back. And then I come back with files and stuff and I do that, you know. Gorgeous. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. But see, the thing is, that one looks pretty good. I'm just trying to get, I love the ones that look really long. And that's what I'm trying to get, you know, getting to upset the pieces. And that's the thing is you, you make the hammer marks and everything and you leave just enough and you mm. clean up parts that have been touching. But then it's like there was one piece. Oh, it was another one. It got really polished right there. Mm -hmm. And I came back and I kind of put more file marks in it and burn it and stink it up. And I use waxes that have colors in them so that then, you know, it's protected, but it also has a little patina to it. So this one is... Ah, this is one of the first ones I did. I didn't right. know what was going on. Right. So I did this one. This has, see how this goes in? Yeah. This is supposed to go into here. Oh, really? Yeah. And this one is more like, a, it's almost like a fencing sword kind of thing. Yeah, this yeah. all into here, kind of like the front does. So that took time. So when it comes to these things, like, like my passion part pieces, I get a little obsessed. <laughs> Because, <laughs> you know, I wanted to, you know, look as, you know, because I can't have a real one. I, 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 well, unless I can find one somewhere. But that was the same thing that started with the reliquary hands. Uh, I have a fake head that looks like a Palermo mummy. And then mm -hmm. I have a hand that looks like a, a saint's hand. It's in, in my cabinet out there. Because I can't really find a real head, you know, or a real hand. And I don't know if I want the real thing. So I made them, you know, and that's the fun thing is in the work that I do, I, I've been able to get and use the applied knowledge from different things and from, you know, everything I was brought up with and my hunger for knowledge from any artist I meet. I just, I just suck their brains, you know, and, and, and learn as much as I can. <laughs> what item are you commissioned to make most frequently? I'm thinking of like having watched, looked at your Instagram, you make uh, the, the skull purses. Mm -hmm. So you make these human skulls that open out, they either open out uh, like a cabinet or you have like the drawstring. Yeah, I have one here. Yeah. And, and uh, <coughs> um, you make lots of jewelry, you make uh, paperweights, knuckle dusters. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and of course, uh, the, the Skivona, the beautiful Skivonas that you, you uh, you've shown us one of there. Mm -hmm. So what most frequently in your requests? Um, right now, it's probably the Skevonas. Uh, skull purses, that they're kind of pricey because they are a pain. I mean, they, uh, there's so many parts mm. that, you know, I think, oh, I, I love making them. But they are probably the longest thing I have to make because I, ha I used to chase every piece of metal on it. Now I cast them. I, I do sand mm. casting and I'll chase on top of that because it just looks so rich instead of looking just cast you give it a little bit of of hand chasing and a couple of oopsies mm -hmm. and it just all of a sudden looks <clears throat> um 
but I think I've only made about six or seven of those. Uh, Schiavonas, I think, oh my gosh, I've made at least 10, you know. Um, and for a while there, yeah, it was bone jewelry, uh, the, the little mm -hmm. talisman, you know, pendants. Um, those are probably it, between the skulls, the Schiavonas, and the, the bone work, you know, the jewelry. Mm -hmm. Armor, I can only do so much, you know, I can only do so much, and I don't even know how many pieces I have left in me. You know, I'm 53. <laughs> 53. Oh. When you and, say uh, I can only do so much, is that because it's physically taxing? Or? I, that time, just time, they take time. The time so it takes. If I divide, you know, making a helmet, um, like that one, uh, the Ogroli helmet, <laughs> that one took three months to make. You know, um, I've got another one similar to that to, to do here soon. Um, it'll take me three to four months. That's also if I don't get distracted. Uh, have a honey-do list and, you know, all these other things. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I don't know lifespan-wise how much I have to, to make, you know. Like, <laughs> you know, I love making them, but my goal really is to make mine. I want to make a type type 1 because I love it. But the 2B is super fancy. You know, I had to have one of those. So eventually I'll have one for myself and then the type 1. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Is it a case of you keep going to make stuff yourself and then other people ask you to make things and you end up having to work on their stuff? Or Yeah, yeah. And, and also, it's like I don't have, I, I kind of have, okay, so COVID happened, um, maybe TMI, but I, I had a nervous breakdown about 10 years ago. Emotional stuff, girl stuff. Oh, it was horrible. And I lost it. I just lost it. There's literally um, a span of three years that I don't remember. I remember, oh. but imagine you have, uh, I, I describe it like comic books. You know, you have all your comic books in boxes and everything's organized by year, by, by type, by, by you know, story. And then you have a couple of boxes that are just jumbled. It's all mm -hmm. there, but it's not sequential. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, so I do have all the memories, mm -hmm. but like I, I was in a book um, that I completely forgot about because I lost it. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden uh, I go, to the store and, and they're like, oh, you'd love this book. This is the kind of stuff that, that you like. And I'm going through the book and all of a sudden there's, you know, this guy in one of the, in one of the, uh, pa one of the pages, Ooh. there's my help. I'm like, and it just messed with me. I, I, just stopped. I was like, and I'm reading it and it's got my information and, you know, some words. And all of a sudden it came back to me like a flashback in a movie where it's like, like, yeah. oh, that's right. I, I signed a, a release for this and I sent them pictures and we went through all this stuff. Completely forgot about it. You know? <sighs> so, yeah, I went, went through that time. And then, um, you know, suddenly you know, I came back. So, so what happened is I got a real big backlog. And then COVID happens. So all that stuff. So right now, as far as Suits of Armor goes, there's so much stuff I have to do. And I'm just catching up one by one. So I don't have time to work on stuff for myself. Uh -huh. And that's, you know, before, in the before times, every weekend was what we called it fun making. You know, we would just make cool stuff every weekend. Now I don't have, I don't even know what day it is most of the time. I'm just working. <laughs> yeah. But um, like with the, with the swords, you know, I will make a little time. Like uh, the other day I made a scabbard for my, you know, yesterday I, I made a scabbard because this thing was just sitting, sitting there and, you know, put this thing together. I made it actually. And then I was like, it needs a scabbard. And yesterday I, I took the time to clean the shop because I'm going to start on the chasing project right now. Actually, once we're done, I'm headed straight out. Yeah, of course. And I was like, I'm going to make myself something pretty. Because the way it was before is I would work on a project, I'd get it done, and I'd give myself two weeks, two weeks to make myself something. You know, so I'm hoping to get back to, there, to that again because I'll, I'll sneak this, I'll sink a Skevona in with the next, next order. Because I, I have to have one. I, I, I literally, I'll put these things next to my bed and I just sit there and just stare at them. <laughs> I think you owe it to yourself yeah. to make one for you. Yeah. Um, so this will be the final question. Yes. Uh, why, why, why this medium? Why metal and bone? Why did it come well, to you? Yeah, um, well, that, that, that's kind of like going back to the other story. Um, because it was... It was easy. Uh, yeah, people are going to roll their eyes. To, to me, it was easy. Uh, again, I was a sculptor before I was a metal worker. Um, 
I, I drew, you know, I've been drawing, you know, since I picked up something, you know, picked up a pen or a rock. I remember drawing with rocks uh, on sidewalks. Um, and then um, got to a certain age, I needed a suit of armor because uh, I was, I joined that medieval group and I discovered I could build it, you know, on, on the mattress, you know, the whole story. And um, it just became an easy medium for the technology I had at the time. And it just kind of went, you know, it's what I got famous for, you yeah. know, again, filter, um, I was an artist, I, I did all this stuff, but metal just became a thing. And it just came so naturally that I just went with it. You know, I went to school and got my degree, took my degree, pushed it in front of my parents. I don't even know where my degree is. And I went, mm -hmm. I'm going to be building armor. <laughs> you know, because my parents wanted me to go to school and all this stuff, and you know, I, it was it, it was what I needed to do, and it's helped me. But um, metal, uh, the bone thing, like I said, just kind of happened. Uh, um, it's just another media for me. Um, but the the metal was was honestly really hard clay, you know, and I could just make it, and I could wear it, and I could see if it fits. And you know, I hardly ever make the kind of mistake where I have to start. You know, hold on, stop texting me. Okay, where I have to start over again. Very rarely. You know, back in, when I was younger, I would tear through because I was using the wrong hammer or too 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 much strength. But now it's, you know, I can bring it back unless I completely catastrophically, which I ha I don't remember the last time I did that, destroy something. You know, so mm. that's the cool thing about metal. It's a really, really hard clay that is incredibly malleable it really is for something that's so hard um mm -hmm. but it is very taxing you know because you do need some strength but i do a lot, a lot of annealing yeah a lot of hot work but it's incredibly satisfying once it's done you know because you just sit there and stare and go like that was a sheet piece uh, that, that, that was a flat piece of sheet you know just hours ago yeah and it, it obviously it brings you a lot of joy and pleasure, and I'm not going to keep you from it any longer. Oh, cool. I'll let you get back to your workshop. Cool. And I just, that just leads me to say, Ugo Serrano, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's finally great to finally meet you. We'll, we'll chat yeah, some more. Totally. Let's do it. Take All care. Right. Take care. Bye. See you. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To show your appreciation, please give us a five-star review on your podcast platform or support our work by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash swordwomen. Go to at swordwomen on Instagram to see upcoming interviews or visit bythesword.net to learn about our events or visit our Facebook page, By the Sword. In this episode, we meet artisan, armourer, production designer and prop maker Ugo Serrano, who has worked on films such as Planet of the Apes, G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra and The Chronicles of Riddick. We talk about his background, his career and the historical influences on his work. The episode was recorded live 19 March 2023.